Morning. Morning. How are y'all? Good. Well, my name is Josh Patterson, and I am honored to be here with you. I, I did. I flew into Burbank last night, and I thought, I thought the whole time um, that I was at the right airport until I walked out and thought, why am I at Burbank? Um, I, was trying to, I was trying to get closer, and it just didn't pan out the way that I thought it would. And, um, but it really is an honor to be here. Travis, thank you for that introduction. Um, I don't know if you feel like you know me better or not after that. Uh, I am married to Natalie. Uh, it will be 17 years this June 6th. Uh, we have been together since 1998. We do have four kids, Lily, Luke, Liv, and Lucy. And, uh, there's never a dull moment in, in the house. And so, um, let me say this just before we jump in into the text. You just need to know how honored I am to be here. And uh, I, you probably don't know this, and that's totally fine. But as I, this is my second time to be here. Uh, my first time, I think it was at the launch Sunday or what? Preview service. And I walked in, it was in the evening. I sat right back there, right back there. And I thought, like the light of the Lord shone on this place that night and it nearly blinded me, like physically like blinded me, like right through that window. And I realized why nobody was sitting there is because you knew what I didn't know. Don't fly into Burbank and don't sit right there. And so my light, my eyes were blinded so badly that I moved over here and just got to see this preview service. And it was super exciting. Super exciting. And then to come back today uh, to be with you and to be among you. Um, so the Village Church uh, is a place that I have served now uh, for 16 years. And uh, several years ago, <clears throat> sitting across from Travis as he wept again um, <laughs> about a burden that the Lord had put on his heart. And, and man, Travis could have stayed at the Village for a long, long time. And, and his ramp there was up and to the right. And he couldn't shake what God had put on his heart. And, and really, that burden was a homecoming burden to be back here with you and to start a work in and among his hometown. And to be now, it's probably two years later, two and a half years later, to see what God has done and is doing in you and among you through Travis and Stephen and the leaders here at the church, like this is a milestone moment for me. And as I'm here just to see the fruit, to know, uh, was it last week or a couple of weeks ago as you baptized people to hear the vision, to baptize 50? And that's amazing, Story Church. Like, do y'all get how incredible that? This, this came about because the Lord saw fit to bless you. And he's been faithful to you to provide a congregation in and around your area. He's been faithful to these leaders to give them to the desires of their heart. And he's been faithful to the church that I come from, the village church, to, to see this and to really celebrate and be excited about it. So as I was coming in this morning, I've got guys from my team that are just, hey, pass on my love. Tell them I said hi. So excited that you're there. Uh, in fact, just yesterday, I got an email uh, from our director of church planning who sent a report on Story Church one year in. And man, the, the elders of the church were just excited. So I know this is somewhat of a long introduction. I, I just want to honor you and bless you and say thank you. 
Um, I have it here in my notes and I'm going to do it. Um, specifically the two of you. Uh, I know this to Travis and to Stephen. I know it's a tough, I know it's a tough road. And I know the, the, in pastoral ministry, I don't know if y'all know this, I hope that you do, I'm gonna tell you. Sometimes the wind blows hard in pastoral ministry. Um, But God is our refuge and he is faithful and it is worth it. So stay faithful. Leaders at Story, stay faithful. Guard your life and your doctrine closely and watch him move There is no greater joy than to see hearts changed, eyes open, lives transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. So stay faithful in it, brothers and sisters. It it really is a good work. Now, when Travis asked me to come, um, he said, I would like you to preach on giving. I'm like, oh, cool, okay. Uh, So... He said, you can preach on anything you want. Uh, we're in a giving sermon, sermon series. I'd like you to preach on giving. So I was like, okay, uh, I'll, I guess I'll preach on giving. So, <clears throat> so here I am, and that's what we're going to do. Now, you need to know this. I actually like this topic, and, I, and I'm not nervous about it because three reasons. One, I have been blessed by the generosity of the saints, I've just been blessed by it. Two, I have been blessed in being changed and transformed towards generosity. So I know the joy of it. And then three, you can't talk about the gospel without talking about generosity. They're woven together. So really when I'm talking about generosity, I'm talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so at that point, I'm like, I'm in. Let's do this. And so here we go. We're going we're gonna to walk through 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. As you're turning there, I want to tell you about somebody, somebody that you don't know, you've never met, you never will meet until glory. His name is Harry Tibbles. And Harry Tibbles has had the greatest impact on me in terms of generosity over and above anyone I've ever been around before. Harry Tibbles. Now, Harry Tibbles in our family is also known as Granddaddy. So Granddaddy is my wife's granddad. Let me tell you a little bit about Harry Tibbles. Harry Tibbles moved to Wiley, Texas. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of Wiley, Texas. Seriously? That's unbelievable. I, how? Television. Television, okay. Yeah. Wide Awake Wiley, Um, Wiley, Texas, the Tibbles moved there in 1960 and granddaddy started the Wiley supermarket. And um, he owned and operated the the Wiley supermarket for over 40 years in Wiley. And Wiley is a small town just outside of Dallas, about 25 miles kind of to the northeast of Dallas. And he started the Wiley supermarket. And part of his, his life as a grocer was he was fair, he was honest, he was full of integrity, and he was godly. And you know this in a small town, you can just imagine this, a small town, everybody goes to the grocery store. So he began to know the entire town 
of Wiley. He was also a faithful member at First Baptist Church, Wiley, Texas, uh, since 1960 until he passed in 2006. And he served there faithfully in leadership all of those years. But let me tell you about his generosity. One of the ways that the church would bless uh, people as they came in for benevolent needs was they'd give them a voucher to go right across the street, literally across the street, to the Wiley supermarket so they could get food and whatever else they might need to shore up some needs. And the idea was that they would give, the church would give this family or this person uh, a voucher, they'd take it across the street, and then Mr. Tibbles was supposed to turn the voucher back in for reimbursement. In over 40 years, he never turned in a voucher. For over 40 years, he just absorbed the needs of the community and quietly served and faithfully gave to whoever came in need. Another example, he had a heart for his community and he started realizing as he looked around <clears throat> that some of the educational opportunities weren't as present as he had hoped. So he started a scholarship fund for students and kids in Wiley. And then he gave the lead gift for this particular scholarship fund for the Wiley Independent School District. But let me tell you the searing image that I have with granddaddy. The searing image that I have is, is, like I said, Natalie and I were together from, I've been together since 1998, so I had about eight years with him. The image is we'd come around for Thanksgiving or Christmas or a birthday or whatever it might be, and he would, as a quiet man that he was, he'd just listen to the conversation. He gives space to celebrate and to hear the grandkids and the great-grandkids as they started to sprout up. And then as we're leaving, he had this signature tear, kind of those trademark tears that would well up in his eyes as it was almost like, Lord, you have been so good to me. And then I can just see the tears that would just kind of quietly drip down and then he would reach over to Natalie, give her a hug, and then he'd slip her a $100 bill. Now here's the deal. That 100 bucks is long gone, right? But the impact isn't. But the impact is that I continue to think about this man's generosity as I think about how he has blessed countless people, including me and my family. We'll get back to him here in a second. But I want you to, I want you to think about this just as we dive into this text. Have you been impacted by somebody like that? Like has, has somebody come into your life, into your orbit, maybe you knew them well or maybe you didn't know them at all but you have been the recipient of their generosity. You've been the recipient of them blessing you, them giving, them sacrificing. And what I'm talking about here primarily, although we can be generous with our time, we can be generous with our resource, we can be generous with our talent, with our energy, with all of these types of things. What this text is talking about and what I'm talking about this morning is the generosity of financial resources. Have you been around that person who has come near to you and it's impacted you. And I see some heads nodding around the room. And if you just think about that. And for those of you who have not, I say, what a loss. I mean, candidly, like what a loss that you haven't had the opportunity to receive like that. 
So let's read what the Apostle Paul says about this. He, <clears throat> I'm not going to go through the whole passage, but he starts off in verse 6. I'm not going to reread it, but he says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. The context here of what Paul is doing is he's coming to the Corinthian church and he's saying to these people, there is a need. There is a need, a church that sent you out, a church that sent missionaries out to the ends of the earth. The church in Jerusalem has a need. And in chapter eight, he says this, the Macedonians, they're stepping forward. They're stepping forward and they're giving generously. And so would you, would you like the Macedonians respond? And so I'm coming to you. This is what he says in verses one through five. I'm coming to you and I want you to be prepared to give generously. But in our verses six through 15, Paul is going to talk about this is going to say, as you're preparing to give generously, I want you to think about the motivation for your giving. I, I want you to think about the reward and the return. And so the question that I think this text is asking is how do we become generous grace givers? How do we become generous grace givers? And here's how I think Paul answers it. Generous grace givers are motivated, and this is my entire sermon, I could pray after this. Generous grace givers are motivated by an inward gospel reward and an outward gospel response. They are motivated by an inward gospel reward and an outward gospel response. Let's look at this. You see right in verses six through 10, you see an inward, inward reward is personal provision. Check this out. You reap sparingly, you will, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must do as he's purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. Listen to this. And I want you to catch these words all Every, okay? Those are the words that I want you to look for here as we think about this inward gospel reward, this personal provision. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. He's able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything. Do you feel the totality of this? You may have an abundance for every good deed. As it's written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Get this. As you move forward in generosity, there is this inward reward that is happening, this inward gospel reward that actually moves us and motivates us towards generosity. And what Paul is saying here is there is a personal provision that's happening. As you take steps towards generosity, as you take steps towards opening up your hands, so to speak, that you get to see the movement and provision of God in your life. Now hear this, 
It's one thing for this church to raise $50,000 over and above. So we're celebrating. We're rejoicing that. Praise God. But what if? What if you were to take part in that generosity? What if you were to take a step towards that and then get to see and to testify what Paul says will happen in your life as you experience all grace abounding? all sufficiency being true, that God is supplying for all of your needs in every way, for you to be able to stand up and to say, he is sufficient. He has provided. He has met my needs. He has made all grace abound in me. So now you begin to say and ask yourself, as it relates to this particular motivation. Does that motivate me? Like there's a thousand things that motivates me. I'm motivated by competition, for good or for ill. I, I like to win. I'm motivated by nice things. I'd rather have them than not have them. Amen? Okay? I'm, I'm motivated by health. I'm motivated by security. I'm, like I can, there are a thousand things that I'm motivated by. But the question and the way that Paul lays this out begins to beg itself here and saying this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you over and above all of those things motivated by the gospel? Are you motivated in such a way that you long to see all grace abound in your life? Are you motivated to see God move in such a way in your heart that you can say, he has provided, he is sufficient? So if you're motivated by that gospel reward, then you take a step forward in gospel obedience. So when you and I are hearing reward, what Paul is talking about here, this inward reward is seeing and experience the personal provision of God in your life. Are you motivated by that? And then he goes on, he says, there's a second inward reward and it's personal increase. So as we talk about generous grace givers are motivated by an inward gospel reward, there's personal provision and then personal increase, but it may not be the increase that you're thinking about. Look at verse 10 again. He supplies seed to the sower. Bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing, and he will increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, there's a whole teaching in the life of the church um, that lends and bends itself towards a prosperity understanding of the gospel. If I do this, then God is indebted to do this for me. If I give financially, then I will get back financially. Are you familiar with that type of teaching and thinking? That is not what Paul is teaching here. Paul is talking about sowing and reaping. And he says, if you sow, you will reap. You will get. There is a reward that's coming to you. You will gain. There is a personal increase. It will happen. Praise the Lord. It's just not necessarily material. 
So the personal increase that Paul is talking about here, as I step forward in generosity, as I sow, what will I reap? He's saying, you will reap and increase in righteousness. You'll in increase in righteousness. Now again, this righteousness is not the righteousness that we get out of 2 Corinthians 5, which Travis said y'all preached on a couple of weeks ago where 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, he made him who knew no sin to become sin that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That righteousness happens at justification. It is done. This righteousness is the righteousness that happens in sanctification. So what Paul is talking about here is there is a righteousness that increases in you as you begin to look more like the Father. Well, what's the Father like? Well, if we jump down to the end of this particular passage in verse 15, he says this, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And who did the Father give? Well, he gave his son. You think about John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, for God so loved Story Church, that he gave. The heart of the father is that of generosity. The heart of the father is that of abundance and overflow. So if you want to look like the father, and Paul says, in Romans chapter 12, that the will of God is that you would be conformed into the image of the Son, that you would be changed in such a way that you begin to sound like him and look like him and give like he gives. Has he not been generous to you? Hello. Has he not been generous to you? He has. He has been generous to you over and over and over again. And if he never gave you a penny, he has given you everything that you need. He has met all of your deepest needs in Christ and he has met mine as well. Now I understand. I understand there are things that I want to see increase in my life. And I hope that you don't put pastors on some weird, strange pedestal that our desires and ambitions are altogether different than yours. I, I long for my 403B to go up and to the right. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> right? I long for my debt to go down and to the left. <laughs> you know? like, like, there are just things that I long to happen. I, I want to be able to pay for college. I've got four kids, three daughters, three weddings. Dear Lord, increase some things for me, right? I need an increase. <clears throat> but what Paul is saying as I step forward in giving, that what will begin to happen is not material, but eternal. As I begin to look like him, my heart begins to change and to soften. And this clutch that I have on worldly desires, and I feel it, God begins to graciously peel them back. And I do know that it's better to give, to be generous, to look like him 
and to give like he gives. So it just begs the question, does that reward motivate you? The reward of seeing personal provision and personal increase. Candidly, sometimes it does more than others, right? But that's what this text is saying. And then he moves on and he says this, how do we become generous grace givers? Generous grace givers are motivated by an inward gospel reward and an outward gospel response. Here's what's amazing about the generosity. So as Paul says, as you give, you need to know things are happening. Like there's a return on the investment. We got some business folks in here that if you were to step forward in giving and and towards some type of new business, new venture, new entity, you would want to know what's the return on this investment. Like we're not giving foolishly. And so Paul says this, here's the return. First, Needs are met. Second, God is glorified through obedience that is demonstrated and charity that is contributed. And then third, the response of intercession. Look at verse 12. Well, actually, let me read 11. You'll be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. And then he shifts in 12. And he says, for the ministry of this service... The ministry of the service, the service of giving, the service of generosity, check this out, is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Like this giving, it's it's doing something. There's an outward gospel response. And the response is this, genuine needs are being met. So for some of us in the room this morning, Our financial needs have been met. You're not worried about opening up the cupboard, so to speak, and not having options. You can go out to eat today after service or go home because you could spend the money or you already bought it. But you know that for some of us, that's not an option. And what God is saying through the Apostle Paul is that as you give, genuine needs are being met. Think about that. You don't need to raise your hand, but just in the quietness of your own heart, have you been in a season of need and through the generosity of another had that need met? Did you not feel seen? Did did you not feel humbled in the best kind of way where it was just like, Lord, you even see me. You have taken note of the sparrow. And Paul says, needs are being met. Check this out, verse 13. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them and to all. Paul is saying here, because of the proof of this ministry, let me take a swig. That's what we call it in Texas. It's just water, y'all. Um, <clears throat> because of the proof, because of the proof of this ministry. You see, what Paul is saying in verse 13 
there's something about generosity that says they're different. There's something about generosity that causes those who are the recipients of it to say there is a connection between what they say they believe and how they live. Because of the proof of this ministry, there is a connection between generosity and the gospel. So on the receiving end of the blessing, Paul says this, they have received and their gratitude is now pointed upward and outward. They, they, they understand that this gospel message is compelling, if you will. It's one of my favorite chapters in all the scripture, by the way, 2 Corinthians 5. I'll preach on that next time. Because of the proof. So Story Church, you have an opportunity in this community to demonstrate and declare the validity of the gospel of Jesus Christ through your generosity. That your confession and your action would come together in power. In power. Like it doesn't even make sense to be a stingy Christian. It's, it, biblically, it just, it just flies right over like that. And he says, because of the proof of this ministry, they'll glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality or the generosity of your contribution to them and, to, and then to all. Verse 14, we're almost done. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. So the outward response, needs are met. The outward response, God is glorified. And the outward response, intercession. Paul is saying those who have received are so overwhelmed, so moved, that their affections are lifted to the Father and they bring you there with them. They're praying for you. They're interceding for you. They're giving thanks to God for you and your life. <clears throat> for years, our staff uh, in Christmas, during the Christmas season, uh, we, our elders would set aside a large amount of money and our staff would work through and think through how can we take this money and kind of quietly bless those in the congregation those in the community, and those we don't even know. And so we'd split our staff up into teams and we'd send them out with a certain amount of money and they'd spend the morning quietly praying over needs and opportunities. And then we would just bless these individuals, these single moms, these families, these non-believers, these neighbors, fill in the blank. The response to that was unbelievable. People feel seen feel loved, feel noticed, feel cared for, feel like they have a place, feel like they haven't been overlooked. And I can only imagine the prayers that went up for our church and for our team because God led us to generously give. It's just a good gift. So Harry Tibbles, 
you know, I said he did all of this quietly. So then the question is, how do I know all this, right? How do I know he did all of these things for 40 years at First Baptist Church? How do I know that he started a scholarship fund? How do I know that he gave and gave and gave and gave? Well, people just started talking. And, and the conversation in and around Wiley went something like this. Um, you know, we fell on hard times and I know he wouldn't want me to say anything, but gosh, Harry Tibbles. And then, then it started to be like this. You too. He did that for you too? Well, he, 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 he did that for my neighbor. And he did that. And then the community started recognizing, much to his chagrin, that he was known for his generosity, not his flamboyance, not his trip-taking. In fact, he drove an old El Camino and they still, well, he's passed and uh, Nan, who's still alive, who's 97, still lives in the same, you know, now this is Texas, so bear with me, 1,300 square foot house that they bought in 1960 when they moved in. Like if you, if you look at their life and raise their four kids there, you wouldn't see show you wouldn't see pomp and circumstance. You would just think neighbor. But here they were, just quietly sowing the seeds of generosity year after year after year after year. And the community turned around and thanked Harry and Retha Tibbles by opening Tibbles Elementary in their honor. And the last few years of granddaddy's life were spent in the hallways and the lunchroom of Tibbles Elementary as he quietly gave back to the next generation. And his funeral, y'all, was unbelievable. Quiet, faithful, godly, gospel reward and gospel return. Yes and amen. Father, we love you. We thank you. And how can we not end this time together saying what the Apostle Paul said at the end of this chapter? Father, we thank you for your indescribable gift, the gift of Christ, the gift of mercy, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of hope, the gift of change, the gift of transformation, the gift of eternal life, the gift of purpose, the gift of identity, the gift of sonship, the gift of daughtership the gift of community, the gift of belonging, and we could go on and on. I thank you for Story Church. I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would increase their harvest of righteousness. And I pray that the story of this church would be that of gospel generosity. We pray this and we ask you, all of this in Christ's name, amen.